Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello and welcome to So I Got to Thinking, the weekly Sex and City podcast where we take the iconic questions of Carrie Bradshaw and apply them to modern life and love. You are listening to Sad Mac, Juno Dawson and Da Bomb, Dylan B. Jones. Good morning, Dylan. Good morning. I'm glad I got the bomb and not Sad Mac. I feel very <laughs> Sad Mac. As you might be able to tell, I am streaming in cold. Not that cold. We've we've taken the PCR, she's fine. But um, yeah, I'm drowning in cold and feeling very sorry for myself because I can't go out and play with my friends. And it's like the hottest day of the year and, and I'm sat inside blowing yeah, my nose. It's funny that that quite a few people are getting um, little coughs and colds at the moment. And it's interesting. I think people are kind of remembering like, oh, there are things other than coronavirus that we can catch. Um, Deleted coronavirus. I might have been asymptomatic. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't actively seeking it, but, you know, odds are I wouldn't have even known about it. But um, <laughs> instead, I feel like I'm dying, which is good. But that's very relevant to this episode because we are talking about grief and death as we rewatch mm. season four, episode eight, My Motherboard, Myself. Dylan, do you want to give us a potted synopsis? Yeah. So Carrie experiences a technological disaster when her laptop um, dies out of the blue. Genuinely the writer's worst nightmare. Oh yeah, I mean, like it's happened to me once and that feeling in your chest is just, oh my God. Um, Miranda, uh, Sex and City, is this the first time Sex and City properly deals with grief? We had the fashion designer who died a while back, but he wasn't particularly close to any of them, was he? Yeah, so Miranda's mother dies um, and that makes for a really kind of emotive storyline. Um, which also triggers Charlotte to become the Martha Stewart of death. Um, and and Samantha um, has a, a minor storyline with a man, but it's mostly about kind of how she deals or, or doesn't deal with grief. Um, and it's all tied. It's, it's all tied together quite nicely this week, actually. I really, actually really liked this episode. 
this is one of the best episodes of all time. TV Guide magazine rated it in their top 100 episodes of television of the 21st century. Wow. Um, Deserved. Mm -hmm. Cynthia Nixon was Emmy nominated for this episode. Yeah, Um, did not, But did not win. Um, Somebody else won. Oh my God, somebody from Everybody Loves Raymond won. Oh, fuck off. Well, quite. I'm going to (laughs) say, do you know, that and Modern Family genuinely perplexed by the <laughs> success of those shows. Are you not a Modern Family fan? Do you know what? It's, uh, for the for the first three or four seasons, it's genuinely charming and well-written. After that, I would say it's just, it's bad. Yeah, I should revise I... Modern Family, but I'm not getting back into Everybody Loves Raymond. Absolutely not. Oh God, no. There's no need for that. Life's too short. <laughs> I think the wife in Everybody Loves Raymond is like a big pro-gun voice as well. Um, oh wow! It's not the one. It's just not the one. Um, <laughs> interestingly, now it was bound to happen sooner or later, but this episode really throws a spanner in the works for the whole format of our podcast. In that there is no question. Yeah, no, no question. And I, do you know what? I knew, I knew that this was going to happen at some point, right? Um, because I remembered that some of them don't have questions. Um, it doesn't. Yeah, you're right. So this is a quite a momentous time. Shall we just stop? Like, this is it. So I will, I will read you the beginning of Carrie's, que- Carrie's question, and maybe we can spend the rest of the episode trying to figure out how she was going to end it. So she says, If giving a man the keys to your apartment means unlocking the door to home cooking and great sex, why were so many independent women... And then she gets sad, Mac. So we will, we will never... Oh, uh, right. So yeah, so why were um, so many independent women, (laughs) dot, dot, dot? (laughs) Uh, Choosing to drop everything and move in with a man. Choosing to stay alone. It could go either way, couldn't it? Because, well, maybe, maybe, maybe at the very end of this episode, we can sort of circle back to this, what we think her question might have been. Because she has a very lovely... She has a very lovely little monologue at the end once she has a new computer and a little zip drive. Um, a big zip drive. She has, yeah, but well, I mean, it was, Brick I think size. it was 2000 or something. So it was actually an yeah. external disk drive, if we're being honest. Um, she puts a floppy disk in it. Um, good God, floppy disk. Can you remember them? Good God. Um, just, I can just remember them. <laughs> but that was a big feature of my university. So during the three years that I was at college, people started to make the switch to zip drives, to like dongles or memory sticks or whatever you want to call them. Um, but yeah, I still remember having a lot of my university, like my dissertation was on a floppy disk, which, good God, no, mm-hmm. no. I sometimes want, I sometimes wonder about, and I'm sure loads of people, and I'm sure like hundreds of think pieces have been written about this already, but I often wonder if, young people's brains are developing differently from our brains just because of the amount of technology at their disposal. Like when I was a kid, I remember I played a quote unquote game on my mum's computer and the game was you would hit a button and the screen would change colour and that was the game. But now like the computer games that kids have like Breath of the Wild is just like on the Switch. It's just like this whole other world. So there must be some impact from that comparison. I don't know. Just a little technology thought there <laughs> I mean that was deep that was really deep um <laughs> and again we will soon very soon get to see Carrie Bradshaw figuring out the modern world in just like that but um Carrie's struggling yeah. so should we start with 
I don't really know where to start this week. Despite the fact Miranda's mum dies, this episode is still somewhat <laughs> about Carrie. <laughs> I mean she, she yeah. at least acknowledges when she's banging on about the fact so that the conflict this week comes from when Carrie's laptop dies an untimely death she kind of takes it out on Aiden and it kind of becomes yeah. this metaphor for are they compatible because he's a PC That's user it. and she's a Mac user and there's one of those very on-the-nose conversations that Sex and the City does slip into sometimes when they're in the repair shop and um, Carrie's like, my whole life was on, I was on the old one. I don't want the new one. And it's like, maybe the old computer is supposed to be big and the new modern one is supposed to be Aiden. And, I hadn't thought of it like that. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, I loved their chemistry in the repair, like throughout this episode. I'm glad we've moved past the sort of dramatic tension of last week with Shayna and you have to forgive me Aiden I'm glad that they're just having normal domestic spats um this week it's really awful I have been such a bitch this week I'm not a very good patient I'm not good at being ill it just stops me (laughs) from living my life and so I have been so grumpy at Max and there was when I was watching this last night I was kind of like oh my god this is me this week I'm being so unreasonable um Carrie saying to Aiden in the computer repair shop, you are mortifying me. I'm like, yeah. oh, Carrie. <laughs> but do you know what? Because at first I wrote down like Carrie's being so mean to Aiden. But then I realised like in these sort of situations, this is what I'm like as well. Like I panic and like Chris tries to help me and calm me down. And I'm just like, no, no, get off. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Um, and I feel like and I thought I bet Juno, I bet Juno's thinking the same thing as well, because I think we're quite similar in that respect. I have such so little tolerance for technology as well. Like if it will, I, I really believe all the technology in my home is my robot slave and should do exactly what I want. Oh, yeah. Whereas Max, of course, used to manage a branch of Curry's Digital. So so I would instantly defer to Max and then tell him he's doing it wrong. (laughs) Um, So I'm I'm familiar with their passive-aggressive ridiculousness. I thought it was interesting how, like, yes, Carrie is supposed to be exceptionally tech-phobic, but the others aren't aren't that knowledgeable either. Like, Aiden didn't realise that Control-Alt-Delete was only for PC. It's funny to think that people back then who are the age that we are now was so untech savvy like it was still quite a newish thing wasn't it then i guess and obviously you didn't have smart but it's really interesting it was really interesting to me to think that people in their early 30s like didn't know that much about technology still at that point and um, i think as well it's like max i'm like god life imitating art max will not get on board with apple technology he thinks it's a cult He's probably right. <laughs> um, so, so he is a diehard PC user. He would he has never had a Mac. He doesn't, mm. he is very quite, doesn't know the first thing about Apple technology. He thinks it's just all a big car on a pyramid scheme. Um, <laughs> wow. I mean, I guess it is like the biggest pyramid scheme in the world. <laughs> well, I mean, this just this week, um, basically my masseur has told me that I have got to do something about my posture. So by the time I had bought a laptop stand and a laptop, like a little, like magic keyboard, I'm just holding them up still in now, and a magic mouse, I was 350 pounds poorer. So I'm I'm inclined to agree at the moment that 
Because Max, worst... like, you know, you could just buy if you had a PC, you could have bought like a twenty pound keyboard, and I was like, get out. The most heinous for me is the um, when they changed the earphone dock so that you could only buy Mac earphones or Apple earphones, or it had to be one of those little dongles which costs ten pounds. For an inch long piece of plastic. I just, it's kind of unbelievable when you think about it. This week's episode <laughs> is sponsored by Apple. <laughs> we called out, so this that's two brands now we've called out, Vivian Westwood and Apple. <laughs> oh, when you sign up to the Apple way of life, you're buying into a way of life. It's like having I mean, a Soho House membership or something. You know <laughs> what you're doing. It's expensive. But we should be careful because this podcast comes out on Apple Music, so it does. But but I can't imagine they listen to every episode of every podcast. Although again, if you are listening, <laughs> elves, thank you, thank Hi. you for hosting Please our don't. podcast. Please don't cancel us. Kill us. <laughs> we are being silenced. I tell you, um. silenced. Um, so then, and I quite like the bit where um, Carrie is banging on and on and on about her laptop while Miranda is in hospital with her mum who's just had a heart attack. And Carrie does have a very brief moment of realisation where she's like, oh my God, and you let me go on and on about my laptop? Yeah. Um, self-awareness, Carrie. It's it's a good thing. Look it up. Um, <laughs> and, and she does recognise that this is horrific. And then I suppose, and this is what I wonder if Carrie's question was why are so many independent women reluctant to let men in? Because that would tie in nicely with the house keys conversation as well. Because then for the rest of the mm. episode, Carrie's little arc is about whether or not she can accept Aiden's support. Um, and she, she even says towards the end of the episode, you know, if I get used to having you around and then you're not around anymore, you know, that, that's no good. You know, how will I cope? And so I can see that. And I've experienced that. I lived by myself before I met Max. I'd lived by myself on and off for about 15 years. I'm really, really used to doing things by myself. And I think sometimes Max gets frustrated when I will not let him help me in terms yeah. of work stuff or like, like little things around the house. Or big stuff as well, like, you know, with emotional labour. Um, yeah. You know, when I've got a problem, I tend to shut down and go quite quiet and try go quite insular and try to kind of find a way out of it myself. Whereas, mm. you know, Max is there and, and you would be an extra pair of hands, even if it was just somebody to take the laundry out while I was spiralling, kind of. Um, but like Carrie, you know, I, I worry about, you know, what would happen, you know, if if Max was to leave or if I was to leave or one of us was to fall down a well, um, you know, how would, how would I go back to everything? Yeah. You know, that was I'm... fun. You know, we've talked about this a lot about lockdown and how on earth single people coped during lockdown. You know, I, I've often thought that, you know, I don't know if I would have coped very well. Yeah. And as we said at the time, like just so much respect for people who who did that and you know what if you made it through that as a single person surely you're just ready for anything now um but yeah I've had similar thoughts with with Chris and I slightly slightly different so I I find it quite easy to in fact completely different to you actually I find it quite easy to um possibly too easy to accept help so my worry is I don't want to I don't want to get too into a pattern where I become too 
reliant is the wrong word, but where I kind of find it a bit too, e everything a bit too easy and just kind of let him do things. I need, I do need to like, I am always conscious of like doing things myself because it can sometimes be a bit too easy to just let him do everything um, and like sort out because I'm really bad, really awful, like almost kind of, I, I often wonder if I've got like a, an equivalent of dyslexia with, with like numbers because I'm so bad with anything to do with forms and bills and, and money. Um, yeah. I don't know. It is an interesting one. Mm. And I think that's, I mean, that's the idea, isn't it? Where one of you brings a different, slightly different skill set to the relationship. And certainly yeah. I'm more, so I think I'm more of the Chris in that right. of, I need, I need to be in charge of life stuff because otherwise I'll just worry <clears throat> it's not happening. And it's almost not worth the worry of delegating it to someone else <laughs> right okay um, yeah so i need to do those things as much for me i'm sure i have no doubt max could do them but when we moved in to this house it was kind of like right i will be in charge everything is going to come through this account and then max yeah so it's all it's all sorted i know where everything's going because otherwise i think i would go mad i am really obsessed with the outfit carrie wears to the funeral um, it's very sort of like um, grieving Catholic widow with mm. the shawl, with the lacy also, shawl. Yes, I remember now. I was trying to, I was trying to picture it. Also, Miranda's outfit is very chic, considering she picked it up from a department store at the last minute. <laughs> Where is it going? It's Pennsylvania, yeah. isn't it? I don't, I don't know enough about America to know if what Pennsylvania. Philadelphia. is. Philadelphia. Philadelphia. That's it. I don't know anything about Philadelphia. I've got really. no idea. No idea. Sorry, America. We've got listeners. any listeners in. Uh, We've tell got any us, listeners in listeners Philadelphia. Let us from know. Philadelphia, oh. please tell us about that state. Philadelphia is it a state? I get or the a impression city? it's a city, right? Philly. Philly. It's a Philly city. Is right. I'm going to have to look this up because this is. <laughs> I've got no. I'm half American. I've got no excuse not to know this. Um, it is a city. Oh, so you were right as well. It's a si Philadelphia is a city in Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah, Pennsylvania's well, we, largest city. We were both right all along. That's nice. We don't need to fall yeah. out about this. And like Carrie Hayden, <laughs> there's just nothing to fall out about. And, Pens and Pennsylvania is just down, just a little bit down from New York. Yes, New I, knew, I knew they were close because I think my friend did some studying at a university in Pennsylvania and I knew it was close to New York. Um, yeah. And so the episode moves forward, Miranda's mum dies. And yeah, this is kind of like a destination episode, I guess, in that normal services resumed because all four women, their storylines all converge around the death of Miranda's mum. Yeah. And with Carrie in particular, it's about whether or not she can let, let Aiden in, which is interesting because last week she was begging him to come back. Um, and by the end, as she sits there with her new laptop, she has this lovely soliloquy where she says that, you know, a boyfriend can provide a, a huge amount of reassurance if you let them. And, and she also yeah. gets a zip drive so she can back up all her work like a sensible writer would have been doing for years. Um, <laughs> and I really like that scene. I thought this was a very beautifully directed episode throughout, actually. Yeah. Um, but I thought the scene where you Carrie's typing in her window and you see Aiden come in behind her with his keys that she has given him. And there is this sense that something has shifted and she has opened her heart, as Madonna would say, to having Aiden in her life. Um, yeah. And for me, the scene 
so this is massively jumping ahead, but the scene where Aiden and Steve just turn up at the funeral makes me cry. Because yeah, I, uh, it, it's just the fact that like, yeah, it's just that gesture, isn't it? Yeah, um, and very sensibly, Steve has, Steve is not in the rest of the episode. So Steve's mm. presence at the funeral is, is a true shock, a true surprise. We're not expecting to see him. We've not seen Miranda speak to him or call him or tell him, or we've not seen Carrie call him. Um, and so when, when he's just there, I mean, it's lovely that, because Carrie, Carrie tells Aiden she's struggling with her emotions basically. And when Aiden asks if he should come to the funeral, she kind of gives him a knock back and says, it doesn't really matter, do what you want kind of, cause mm. she's spiraling. And so Aiden, Aiden knows that whether Carrie says she wants support or not, she kind of needs support and, and he turns up and that's just a really lovely thing. And I, I remember watching that when I was single and thinking, God, one day I'm gonna meet a man who would just turn up at my best friend's funeral because he loves me. And yeah. that that was one of those things, you know, it was, I remember thinking, gosh, is this is what it is this what it must be to be loved? Is this is this what mm. it's like to be loved? And at that time, when I was first watching this as a teenager, I hadn't been in love and I hadn't been loved. So it was one of those things that can very much set the model of love in my head you know if this if this show sort of showed me what love should be this is one of those scenes that really stands out yeah I think it shows I think the reason it's so emotive is because it shows a proper engagement not just with you but with like your your whole life um and it's an acknowledgement of like Carrie's friends are really important to her and that's him like acknowledging that and respecting it um I actually cried at the bit when Carrie like jumps out and joins yes. Miranda. Um, uh -huh. That's like the tearjerker bit, isn't yeah. it? For sure. Um, but yeah, like Emmy for Cynthia Nixon. Yeah, robbed. She was robbed. robbed. She did, fact fans, she did later win an Emmy for her role as Miranda Hobbs, but it wasn't until season six's The One, which was oh. the one where she and Steve reunite at Brady's first birthday party. Oh yeah. Um, should we go to a break? Let's have a little break. And when Let's we get back, we will get into Miranda's cup size. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
Hi, welcome back. Um, you're listening to Juno and Dylan, and we are talking about series four, episode eight, My Motherboard, Myself. Um, let's switch over to Cynthia Nixon, to yeah. Miranda, because she is so vital to this episode. And my God, she's so good. She's oh, so good. That phone call from the hospital, that was just so real to me. Like, I, I was there, I completely believed it. Um, it was like watching real life to me in a show that is very surreal uh-huh. and in a lot of a lot of times is just completely unbelievable and out there and ridiculous this was like a real real life scene um and also like Aidan uh, uh, John Corbett and SJP like reacting like that's how kind of that's how people react like that's how your partner reacts when they hear you after a phone call like it was perfectly done the whole uh-huh. thing I thought and it's interesting that that they chose this week to put one foot back on the ground, kind of, because yeah. there was, and I know this is from Sex and City Kids and Tell, the book that I got all my knowledge from, um, there was a decision made at the very beginning of this series that they weren't going to spend a lot of time with their families. They felt that took it into a different type of show. And they were very, very clear that <clears throat> these women were each other's family. And so we didn't need to have a bunch of family members around them. But as soon as you bring in family members, people feel real because we all have family. So it it makes characters so relatable as soon as you meet their family. And so while I totally understand why they did that, because this is a show about female friendship, this episode really hits different because in a very short, in literally about two lines of dialogue, we learn so much about Miranda's position in her family, about yeah. how she's the youngest, about how she's treated like a child, even though we've always understood her as this powerful lawyer. You know, the way her sister speaks to her like she's an idiot, you know, and how she's pitied because she's single. You know, it completely reframes the whole character of Miranda. And yeah. that's why I think it's a good move. Yeah. Definitely. And it's so good because like she's the she's the more mature one or one of the more mature ones in the group. So to have that context that she's like the baby of her family just makes us such a more rounded character. I was going to say before, it's interesting. So in the book, it said that they made the decision to not have. So does that mean it could have gone the other way? And they could have, ha- and they were maybe planning on bringing in all sorts of family members and stuff, because that would have made it a completely different show. Yeah, I, w- I would have. Th- so basically, based on the book, the Candice Bushnell book, <laughs> there there are now family yeah. members in there. So I suspect it wasn't a very big conversation, because she would always go back to the mm-hmm. book and say, "Well, look, there's not a bunch of family members in the book, so why would we need them in the TV yeah. show?" And I think as well, if you think of Candice Bushnell being so inspired by things like Breakfast at Tiffany's or The Bell Jar. We, we don't learn much about the characters' families in those novels as well. So like if, if those are the iconic New York novels, kind of. Um, and so, and I think it makes Sex and the City different as well. Like every other show, everybody loves Raymond, modern family. If you want a show about families, there are shows about families, kind of. Yeah. And also even in like other, even in shows that are about people in their, th- that are comparable to Sex and the City in terms of like the age and the culture of the characters, like Friends, Ali McBeal, Will and Grace, 
even in those you still you meet all the parents and they feature quite prominently um yes. i think yeah do you meet yeah. ellie mcbeal's parents presumably god it's been a long time since i watched ellie mcbeal her dad her dad is a character i think okay. because i think her friend i think one of her friends shags her i think there's some like weird sex thing with her dad i can't remember it's all a bit if i'm if i'm cor- i might be wrong correct me listeners if i'm wrong but yeah i'm pretty sure you meet the parents now in the bill as well um, and so with sex in the city you know we've met so far we've met charlotte's brother who who's samantha shags um we will later learn in fact this season we will learn some facts about carrie's father who who abandoned her mm. um but other than that, we don't really go there. We don't. We never learn about Samantha's family. We never. We never meet Miranda's family again. I don't think that I'm aware of. And they, even even, even the, when they get married, we don't meet them. Yeah, parents. I was just. Well, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, it's quite. It's quite a feat to um, to to do weddings and for the parents to be absent, but you sort of don't really notice as a viewer. Like the worst time I watched it, I wasn't like, oh, where are their parents? I was just like, oh, okay. Some um, a, a man gives Charlotte away at her wedding to Trey. Cause if you remember, we've talked about that last season. Yeah. Where just this man appears with yeah. no lines and an unspeaking extra takes Charlotte down the aisle kind of. Yeah. Um, we'll have to keep our eyes peeled at her second wedding and see if, if anybody else rocks up. Yeah. Um, but it was, it's a, Star turn from Cynthia Nixon. The scene where she goes to the bra fitting makes me cry as well. Um, where Lucille, the brusque, yeah, Lucille, the brusque shop assistant, and um, reminds her of her mum. And Miranda realizes she's never going to fight with her mum again, and and has a breakthrough and breaks down in a changing room. And Lucille gives her a cuddle. Yeah. Gives, again, support. It's yeah, all about, it's all about support, whether it's bra support or boyfriend support. Um, I thought that was a nice, I thought that was a nice, like, because sometimes these kind of lines in Sex and the City can be a bit eye roll. But I thought, like, Miranda found the support she needed. I thought that was, like, a nice, I was like, yeah, like, nice. I, I'm, I'm going to let that one pass. Yeah. And you're right, the, the scene in the church where um, Miranda is made to follow the coffin by herself and carry leaps, leaps into the aisle to be her significant other. Again, that's one of those goals. It's one of those things when I was watching this as a teenager, I was like, that's the kind of friend you should be. You should be the friend who would walk your friend down the aisle at a funeral because that's what a good friend does. Um, And so yeah, full full points to Carrie for for being a good friend and then points to Stephen Aiden for turning up as well. (laughs) It made me think like, we've joked before about like Sex and the City teaching us and particularly me about like sex and living in and like how you should quote unquote live on the live in the city and stuff but I think if looking back on this episode I think it maybe taught me a little bit about friendship as well like I think I think moments like that probably are responsible for me looking after my friends a bit in in difficult moments um which is nice oh I think in fact I I would guarantee that I think Sex and City taught me more about friendship and female friendship than than it did about sex mm. um I mean don't get me wrong you know th- there was there were things to learn but um <laughs> but certainly it, it, yeah it, it, it sort of and, and again somewhat friends as well you know th- this notion that you know you should you know this idea that you should just be seeing your friends constantly and really investing in those friendships because yeah. I suppose both shows, Sex and the City more than Friends, the 
implicit message is that men will come and go, but your friends are constant. Yeah. And and I think that that was something that I was also learning in real life. You know, my mum left my dad when I was seven and she always had her friends around her, you know, and, mm. and how could I not learn from that? Which is, well, hang on a minute, men leave, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, you'd be very, very silly to kind of not invest in your friendship group. Now I'm aware when, you, when we talk about this, when we la- wax lyrical about the importance of friendship, there might be some listeners who do not have that amazing friendship group and that this might be a bit of a slap in the face to hear us, going on about how lucky we are to have such amazing friends. But what I will say is that my my friendship group, they, they have changed down the years. You know, I've, yeah. not, I've not had the same five friends since 1997, like they do in Friends Are Sex in the City. And that's why maybe, you know, when we look forward to one just like that, it's maybe not ridiculous that there's a whole bunch of new characters joining yeah. the cast, given that these women it's 10 years since we last saw them. And certainly in the last 10 years, I've made new friends, you know, and and you're never too old. I think it gets harder as you get older. I think, you know, I spend, you know, I'm so old now, you know, I just, I like, we were at, Dylan and I were at a festival together at the weekend. And, (laughs) you know, by I think about, by about eight o'clock, I was like, oh, if I leave now, I can be home by half 10 and have a lovely (laughs) cup of tea and a little bagel before bed. And so that's what I did. I ducked out. I tapped out at eight o'clock and it was the best thing for me. And, you know, so the more time, the more I become a homebody, you know, the the more I recognize that I'm unlikely to make new friends while sitting around my home watching Vigil. But, which I love, by the way, just so not me, but I'm really obsessed with it. Um, okay. But, you know, so my friends now, I think you met them at the wedding, Tommy and Ed, um, an amazing yes. gay couple. I think I met them maybe like three or four years ago. And we've become yeah. really, really close now. I see them all the time. We go to theirs for dinner. They come to mine for dinner, you know, and that's great that you know I made new friends when I was in my late 30s I think it means I think it means more as well doesn't it like when we're kind of when it when it when you get to kind of uh, your 30s um and I'm speaking from experience now as someone who is almost 30 um, (laughs) it means yeah it means a bit more when you when you when someone's like oh like do you want to go for like a a drink or something and you're like actually yeah like I really I really would like it's really nice when you have that connection with someone and I think you're right I think it does happen a bit less as, as you as you get older because in your 20s you're just kind of like just seeing everyone all the time everywhere aren't you when so during my four years in London I realized there was a definite distinction I'm not sure remind me have we ever talked about my theory of friendship on the podcast before about vodka friends and cup of tea friends no <laughs> So when I was in London, I noticed I made a lot of friends very quickly, but a lot of these people were people you would see out and about, you would see them in clubs, or you would see them at nights, or you would see them in bars, and you would always say hello, and maybe you would have a drink, but they'd never seen inside (laughs) your house. Yeah. You never particularly made plans to see them, kind of, they, they were more just kind of sort of people you saw in passing, kind of. Yeah. And I realized there was a difference between those friends and cup of tea friends who were the friends you would say, oh, I'm not doing anything on Wednesday night. Do you want to come around? Yeah. And I'll cook us some food. And, you know, you would really get into it about kind of like 
the guy you've just been dumped by or the guy that you're obsessed with or even just what you were watching on TV like oh my god shall we binge America's Next Top Model for five hours yeah you know and, and I realized I realized I had an awful lot of vodka friends but not <laughs> that many cup of tea friends and that's when yeah. I realized that the cup of tea friends were worth a lot more than the vodka friends oh yeah and for sure as I've moved through my 30s I have very few vodka friends now because I don't go out as much. But the friends that I do have, the sort of the eight or nine friends that I'm really, really close to, I feel I've got what Carrie and Miranda have. I feel that any one yeah. of them would jump out and walk me down the aisle at a funeral. And that that means yeah. everything. But I think if, if there are listeners out there who feel lonely, it's temporary nothing Mm. nothing lasts nothing lasts forever and people come and go from our lives all the time whatever age we are yeah what's really I was going to say what was really nice about the um phases of lockdown and things changing for me and us all getting accustomed to doing different things was that a couple of um it did it does make you realize how 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 important the couple of tea friends are um but what was really nice was a couple of the vodka friends reached out to me and are now cup of tea friends because of lockdown. Um, yeah, which is really lovely. Um, so there's that as well. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Things things just change. Everything's things changing. Change. Uh, um, let, let's talk about Samantha's orgasm, which is also <laughs> quite moving in a way because yeah. her orgasm is very important to Samantha. Yeah, um, so yeah. it's, it's kind of played for laughs, but it does happen. I'm, and I will, I'm quite happy to be creepily personal. I lost my orgasm when I was on antidepressants. Um, mm, I I've, went I've for, for anxiety. And, um, yeah, I've heard that that can happen. Exactly. And I, I decided I would rather be anxious, but be able to have sex. <laughs> that, that was why I canned <laughs> anti-anxiety medication. But it was so interesting to me that the, the GP was like, well, what, what's the problem? You know, it sorted out your anxiety. I'm like, yeah, well, but I can't reach climax. I mean, my God. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? How, how uh, different people see things, should we say? Um, Good God. Um, I did laugh, I, as much as it was played for laughs, I did laugh when um, Charlotte told Samantha about, like, the woman who the woman who had used up all, it was like she'd used them up or something, and Samantha's just like, that's the meanest thing you've ever said to me. Carrie's face, it's the... Yeah, the eye, ro- the just look of death at Charlotte, yeah. Like, <laughs> just perfect. Because I think, I think Charlotte was being purposefully <laughs> cruel in that point yeah. but yeah I mean that's just like you know, one day they were just gone <laughs> like yeah. oh my god Charlotte um brutal but I've um I've heard it's um an issue that affects cis women possibly possibly more than it does us but everyone's different aren't they mm. yeah I think I think um I know sexual dysfunction is is, is a side effect of antidepressants so, so I think mm. Um, that that is a thing. I mean, there, there was there, it was hinted at in that same conversation where where Carrie and Charlotte um, quiz Samantha on what you always have an orgasm every single time, which you know th- this is you know we need to be very mindful because porn has led people down a very 
misguided pathway yeah. where all you have to do is breathe near a woman and she will have an orgasm. Yeah. And of course, that's, that's just not true. And some women, some cis women find, find it easier to <clears throat> finish themselves off digitally um, and don't come f- through penetration necessarily. Um, you know, Charlotte seems to suggest she can only come if she's on top. Yeah. Um, Carrie agrees that, you know, sex is better if everybody comes. I think it's really nice. I think guys now, especially millennial guys, are much more clued up to the need to have a woman orgasm, you know? And Mm. I know, speaking to Max and his friends who are all in their late 20s, they they are really driven to make a woman come because if they don't, they failed. And that's really interesting because I think if we were speaking to men in their late 30s, you know, it might be a slightly different thing, which is, well, you know, women don't always come. Yeah, we don't and, care. Yeah, that, that, you know, that's just the way women are built, you know. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So I think that's that's telling. Um, and the notion as well, that the, the notion, and possibly this is due to sex in the city, men are women fake it. And there was that whole episode with Miranda and the ophthalmologist where, you know, <laughs> Miranda says, how can men think it's that easy? And he goes, because you're faking it. Um, so, you I know, was- there is... The catch twenty two of faking it. I was thinking in this is in this instance, social media actually might be helpful because there's just so much. Not all of it true, so it's slightly dangerous. But there's just so much dialogue and memes and jokes and tweets and everything about sex out there now that all young people have access to. So I'm sure men see things like a funny tweet about a woman not being able to come, and they're like, "Oh, what?" Like whereas before, like it's not like a woman would have walked up to them and said that. Do you know what I mean? Like, so it's, I think there is just more information out there now. Not all of it good and not all of it true, but at least these conversations are being had in some capacity. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, so I think, um, although in, in the end, again, Samantha needed, she didn't need an orgasm. She needed to address her grief, which she does at the funeral. She finally finds that, you know, she... She, she obviously just feels really bad for Miranda. She feels terrible for Miranda. Mm. And of course, this is weighing on her mind, which means she's finding it hard to orgasm. And once she addresses the fact she feels dreadful for her friend and, and has a good cry, maybe she faces up to the realities of mortality. Whatever it is, she, she has a good old cry and presumably her orgasms return. Hooray. Yeah. And Charlotte doesn't get an awful lot to do this week. There was There's a strange subplot about dimmer switches oh yeah that doesn't really go anywhere what does she say something about did you know there are 40 kinds of dimmer switches she's just always running around with like baskets and talking on her like earphones isn't she for the whole thing (laughs) do you know what throwing yourself into funeral arranging is a very very valid form of grief Mm. I think, and I almost think that is the dual function of the funeral which is obviously there is a religious connotation, which is it's saying goodbye, and it's some people think it's helping the soul to ascend. However, on a practical level, the funeral gives you something to apply your mind to while you're processing an abject loss. You yeah. know, and I think a lot of people say the hardest time in the grieving process is immediately after the funeral because it's like, well, then what? Yeah, it's all done. Like, it's done. Yeah. And, and in a very different life 
event in a very different sacrament. You know, I, I was told to plan something for after the wedding. So it doesn't just feel like that's it. You know, mm. you've spent two years planning this big event. Yeah. And then nothing. And that's, I think that's why that's why people go on honeymoon. Yeah. That's a really good um that's a really good idea, actually. Yeah. And that makes total sense as well. So maybe there should be something like a funeral moon whereby yeah. after a funeral you do something, just something, go stay with a friend or yeah. go abroad and cry by a swimming pool <laughs> yeah but may- maybe that's something that we should start to sort of suggest to people which is what are you going to do after the funeral because yeah. you're going to go home and it's done and that's it they're really gone Oof, yeah um, no that's a really good idea I think a funeral moon is a gr- is great like a calming like self-care holiday somewhere uh-huh. is a really a spa, great yeah. yeah a really great idea for sure Mm. Um, and yes, the, the 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 world's most grotesque flowers um, that Charlotte oh, yeah. summons. It, it's a great visual gag. Yeah, well done. You're dead. You're dead. Let's disco. You're dead. Let's disco. <laughs> um, so we don't really know what Carrie's question would have been, other than no. I think it's. I think it was. So let me get the the correct wording. <laughs> okay. I think it's if giving a man the keys to your apartment means unlocking the door to home cooking and great sex. Why were so many independent women afraid to let men in? Mm. I'm gonna say that. That is the, the question. Que- the question that never was. But what's the answer? <laughs> the answer is <laughs> you you have you have to let people in. You know, yeah. you, you know, woman is an island, um, you know, and, and I've seen some really strong women fall to pieces trying to trying to not accept help. Mm. Um, I was probably one of them in my 20s. I did everything by myself. I really thought I could do everything by myself. But then in my 30s, you know, both my friends and now Max, you know, you don't have to do it all by yourself. You know, you really, yeah. really don't. I think it possibly, I think it possibly particularly applies to, I was thinking this earlier when we were talking about it, to British culture, maybe. I think we're taught not to ask for things and that it's strange to like accept help from people, particularly in British culture. Stiff Um, up a lip and all that, yes. Yeah, yeah. But it's okay to ask for things, especially after the last two years. You can see the other side of her question as well. You can see why an independent woman or indeed an independent man would struggle to let a partner in mm. because you because we've been hurt because we've been burned yeah. you know we you know once I did I set up a home with a guy before I transitioned and within six months it broke <clears throat> down you know yeah um and I was left with a very expensive flat that I couldn't really afford by myself I had to deal with the landlord I had to deal with the bills I had to kind of deal with everything and and yeah so you know you can see especially once you have got a bit of life experience behind you you can see that it it is madness it would be a madness to entirely rely on someone else that really would be madness that's i think that's a good uh that's a good point to end on thank you for joining us listeners next week we're in we've got we've got a duology um we've got Aiden's shed duology starting next week, which it's not not my favourite episodes. It must be said, as we as we go to Suffern, Suffern, oh, yeah. New York. <laughs> Suffern. Um, 
Yeah, and we will. We'll suffer in those episodes together. <laughs> um, until next week, you can find us at SIGTT Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Do send us all your comments and messages. We love hearing from you. Um, like and subscribe, and we will see you next week. Ta-ta. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Discover South Carolina.